Today's sponsor is EveryPlate. Initially, I thought meal kits had to be expensive, that they were kind of a splurge. But as it turns out, EveryPlate is more affordable than groceries. Their quality ingredients come pre-portioned to help you save money and reduce food waste, you know, like the bag of spinach that I throw out every single week. You can skip the store and let every plate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a consistently low price. For me, in the summer, I'd rather be out enjoying the sunshine than cooking. Every plate helps me do just that. Simple, stress-free recipes come together in just six steps and are ready in about 30 minutes or less. You can choose between 17 recipes that change every week and swap proteins and sides to your liking, so you can switch up dinner routines however you want. Every plate helps me experience more of my favorite things in life by saving me time and money, which means more money towards vacations, concerts, the list goes on. You can choose from classic plate, veggie plate, family plate, and easy plate preferences to serve up crowd-pleasing meals night after night. Try every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code SELFIE179. Again, that's $1.79 per meal at everyplate.com with the code SELFIE179. Today, our show is sponsored by Nutrafol. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. If you are among them, know that you're not alone and there is a solution you can trust to deliver results. Thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol offers targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. Healthier hair growth takes time. You'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in three to six months. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months of use. Nutrafol is physician-formulated to be 100% drug-free. They use medical-grade botanicals in consistently effective doses so you get the most reliable results. And no matter your stage in life, they have a solution. Nutrafol women's formulation is ideal if you're experiencing thinning hair loss caused by stress, dieting, overstyling, or environmental toxins. Their other formula, Women's Balance, is for additional hormone support for those with thinning hair through menopause. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code SELFIE to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, you get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. That's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code SELFIE. Hey, everyone. I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and a psychotherapist. And I'm Rue Powell, an admitted workaholic and self-care Luddite. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about women learning to take better care of themselves. We think self-care is important, but it can simultaneously be elusive. We don't lack information about it, but we don't always quite get there. So this podcast is dedicated to exploring different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious. We're looking at health, relationships, beauty, periods, and maybe a touch of the random. We also want to look at the hurdles we face that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. To submit questions to me or Rue, or to Claire, our beauty expert, or BJ, our resident therapist, join us in our private forum by searching Selfie Podcast Community on Facebook. Hey guys, well today I am going to be chatting with Sober Mom Squad's Emily Paulson. We are going to be talking about drinking and how drinking during the pandemic has become a coping skill for so many of us and when it's a problem and when it's not. We're also going to be talking to BJ. She talked about this very openly in our Facebook community group, but she lost an aunt to COVID. And we're going to talk about some of the unique aspects of grief and loss in the midst of a pandemic, especially 
losing someone to COVID and how um, just unique and difficult that can be because we don't have the normal ways of grieving. We can't visit, we can't, you know, rally in a hospital room or in a waiting room. Um, so we chat about that. But first, um, Rue and I are going to chat about our self-care. Hey, Rue. Hey, Kristen, how are you? How's your self-care going? It's going okay. It's going okay. I mean, last week we talked about, you know, hitting that pandemic wall, and I definitely am still feeling that. Um, I do want to say, and I've talked about this a bit before, but I tried at the beginning of the year to institute a reading hour um, mm-hmm. in my house. It's not an actual hour. It's 30 minutes. Um, but I have been enforcing quiet reading every night between dinner and watching a show. And I am here to report that it has been a success. Now, I don't think the kids are going to ever admit that they like it, but it's become a habit. They will do it even if I don't remind them. And they have read a lot more books than they have. You know, even, I mean, they've probably all read, I mean, with the exception of India, who's a voracious reader on on her own. They have probably read more books by March this year than they read all of last year. Wow. Yeah. Are you, so are you picking out books for them or are they just? Nope. They can read whatever they want, but it has to be a novel. So it can't be like, you know, Japta has a sneaker encyclopedia. <laughs> like, he can't right, read that. Right. It can't be a comic book. Um, so it Got just it. needs to be a novel, but they can choose whatever they want. I bought all of them a lot of books at Christmas. And one of our kind of pandemic routine stops is there's a local used bookstore. So we go there all the time. Um, and then all my kids have Libby, which is our library app. Um so they have a lot of books at their disposal. So no, I don't pick. They can pick, they can read whatever they want. Kembe likes to read memoirs. <laughs> oh. Um, and actually, so does Karis. So does Karis. Karis really likes, like, she's read all of Amy Puller's and all of Mindy Kaling's and all of Tina Fey's. Um, she likes humor memoirs. Um, and then Japta likes action. And then India is all about contemporary fiction. So, yeah. Man, if they put together a Goodreads, I'm sure people would check it I out know. because I'd love to know what, you know, teens are reading right now. I know. They really should. They they should. I, in fact, India will occasionally on her Instagram do like a little book review thing. But she reads way ahead of her um of her reading level. I feel like she's she's reading a lot of adult novels at this point. Yeah, well, that's my issue with my eldest is mm-hmm. that, you know, the next I, I well, we I talked about it on um, a few shows back how I accidentally gave her a book that I thought was, you know, for her age. And I, I mixed up date, I mixed up ages with grades. And so she read a book that was very eye opening when it comes to sex yeah. and alcohol <laughs> consumption. <laughs> so that was that was a conversation. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's funny, because um, India just asked me to read Samantha Irby's book. And like, I, you know, she's a humor memoirist, but like, one of them has a like a lot of references to graphic sex. And I'm like, Ooh, I don't remember. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> I guess you're gonna learn something. <laughs> um, how about you? How's your self care going? Well, I have been doing, I've been doing a lot more work lately. And it's weird, because in this time that a lot of people are working from home. I am very much not. And so I have a long commute on a train and um, I've been working in an office, very COVID safe. Um, every one of us has to, every one of us gets tested, gets COVID tested twice a week. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's so nice. In fact, the last time, I mean, I 
I don't go to a drive-through or a you know walk-in clinic or anything anymore. A nurse walks up to my desk and oh swabs my, my nose. It is That's the nice. height of luxury in the pandemic. Yes, yes, it is. So I'm trying to find. So you know, if I'm I'm up early and I'm out the door and I'm kind of home late, I'm trying to find that carve out that time for not just I mean, self care, but not just hanging out and reading, but also like working out and, you know, Uh all the things that are, that are important that I was doing better before I was regularly in an office. So, but it's, it's kind of requiring that I schedule my time better. And, uh, I, I, I'm trying to, what I'll do is I'll print out a little calendar of like the next two weeks and I will write down what my workout will be since I like varying it up. And that's, that's helpful, but I, it is a bit of a struggle, but I want to be consistent because um, I'm going to have a crazy schedule over the next uh, three months or so. Yeah. And so I want to stick to something that it, that serves me. So I keep thinking about my word of the year, which um, I shared earlier is grounded, mm-hmm. which, you know, just kind of reminding myself who I am and taking deep breaths and trying not to be overwhelmed by the tasks at hand. So I'm doing okay. Yeah. But I would love, you know, I would love better systems right now. Yeah, that's hard. That's hard. I'm so glad, though, that you get to commute on a train. Like, I feel like that probably affords you at least some space that being in a car wouldn't. Yes. And it's it's like a built-in safety because when I have to drive that far, it is very hard to not look at my phone. And I know that sounds really, really terrible that I am a you know grown adult and admitting that I sometimes struggle. Oh, um, I think that with most the temptation. Do. Yeah. But at least when I'm on the train, I mean, the train offers other, <laughs> presents other uh, concerns. I have, I, I have become a cranky adult when people don't wear their, their masks on a train. Mm-hmm. And so I have gotten into at least three arguments. <laughs> oh gosh, I would too. Which, Come on. Which I am, which I'm actually okay with. And one was a woman that was about 15 years older than me that thought it was okay to just wear a face shield and nothing else. Oh, gosh. And I'm like, you might as well just breathe directly into my mouth. Right. So anyway. I would do that too. I mean, you need to be relaxed on that. And that's just good grief. I mean, but otherwise, the train is empty, you know, and I, yeah. I've never had to sit next to anyone. And I can, um, I'll, you know, have my laptop out, or I'll do a little reading. And so that part is nice. That's nice. Well, what do you have for two thumbs up? Oh, I have a great book that I'm excited to share. Um, that's great for uh, maybe, well, I don't know if it counts for reading hour, but maybe it's a nice book that you'd like to have <laughs> around, but is Women Who Dared, 52 Stories of Fearless Daredevils, Adventurers, and Rebels. Oh, we have and this, I love, and I love it. I love this oh, book. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I, I'm just loving all of these, um, you know, curated books that reference women in different capacities. So, um, I have that. I have that at home, and that is a new favorite of the girls. So yes, and I think it's great for you know kids of any gender. So definitely check that out. Yes. And then I have you know I we every time we talk about face masks, I wonder I have to stop for a second and think: Are we talking about the kind that goes over our mouth and noses, or the one <laughs> that we use to treat our skin? Yes, both important. 
Yes. I have, um, it, and I like it because it's cheaper than a lot of the other bougie sheet masks out there, but it's the Pacifica Stress Rehab and Caffeine Facial Mask. And they kind of market it as, you know, a really good mask to have the night after, you know, you've had you know, too much to drink, which mm-hmm. is... Uh, uh, timely for today's topic. But it's also, you know, when you wake up in the morning and maybe you had too much salt yesterday and you're a little bit puffy mm-hmm. and or you stayed up too late. So I like to put on a mask in the morning, like first thing in the morning while I'm walking around, puttering around, getting stuff done. And I feel like it does numbers. It like helps my skin just sort of, I don't know, come alive. So I really, I really like it. And it smells really good too. There's like, there's caffeine in it, but also green tea and coconut. And it's it's nice. It's a nice way to start my morning. It's a sheet mask or a put on mask? It is a sheet mask. Got it. I'll have to try that. I love that brand. I like Pacifica a lot. They have a lot of great products. And it's at Target, right? Uh, it is at Target. It's at Whole Foods. Um, yeah. And it is, I believe it's vegan. Yes, it's vegan. It's yeah. cruelty-free. Yeah. And sometimes, like, at Whole Foods, I found them for $2, which I think is a great price for a sheet mask. Mm-hmm. Well, one of my recommendations is actually something that was recommended to me in the selfie group. Um, and so I was asking, I had asked the question, so we've been doing a lot of rice and vegetable bowls, like a lot, mm-hmm. um, which is fine, but it feels like we're kind of eating the same meal every night. And so I was asking for sauce ideas, because I feel like when you have a good sauce, um, like a tzatziki or a tahini sauce, or, you know, something nice, it kind of like pesto, it changes the meal. And so I had asked for ideas and someone said that I should check this book out and I bought it and I love it. It's called Bowls of Plenty, Recipes for Healthy and Delicious Whole Grain Meals. And it gives so many good ideas for bowls, but then really good sauce ideas for like changing it up. So like make your own sauce or also buy. Oh, that's great. So like tzatziki sauce or like, you know, just all different kinds of sauces. There were so many good recommendations in that thread too. Of yes. all the things, of all the things <laughs> we all chose to discuss, I thought it was super interesting that it was everyone wanted to pitch in and help this um, mm-hmm. idea of turning a uh, everyday meal into something that's a little bit less boring. Oh, it now was that- so helpful. Yes, it was a really good thread. I love that group. I swear, because I thought I would get a couple ideas, and it was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like. A hundred ideas. No, I'll have to check that out too because we've been doing really, it's like protein, vegetable, carb, Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. out the door, you know? Totally. Same. And it's like, okay, this is getting a little boring. It's like Groundhog's Day with our food. What else do you have? Um, And then the other thing um, is, so we've been doing, we do a lot of those table talk. Um, They're like a cube of questions. We've been doing those at dinner. We ran through all of those. So just like continuing to look for dinnertime conversation starters with the kids. Um, I found a a book called 3001 This or That Questions. So it's a little like, would you rather? Um, Mm -hmm. But they're just short, easy, fun questions. And so we keep that book by the dinner table. And when, you know, our conversation is not very lively. We will pull that one out. And it's it's really fun. It's great for, for younger kids or, or teens as well. Oh, I, I'll have to check that out. We've been doing, um, like, we'll be in the middle of dinner and I'll say, you have 30 seconds to share, to convince us all, this is your TED Talk, why your favorite vegetable is the best vegetable. And yeah. it is hilarious. It is, ridic- it is ridiculous, but it's really funny. Um, so fun. I have I have a this or that question for you, Kristen. Okay. Would you rather lick 
a public doorknob mm-hmm. or eat a handful of hair. Oh, man. <laughs> I I would lick the doorknob because that's quick. Like, that's over fast. That hair, that hair is going to be itching you for like a day. Yeah, you're going to just be chomping on uh-uh. it. Well, uh-uh. usually my question is, would you lick a public doorknob like the door, like the handle when you're going into a gas station? Uh-huh. For $500 cash. Like, right right now, I'm putting $500 in your hand. Will you lick that doorknob? Well, my answer would be different in a pandemic. Like, pre-pandemic, I would have been like, sure. Like, I'm not really a germaphobe. Um, but now, I would not. Hmm. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's How about you? What would you do? Oh, yeah. No, I would do it. And then I would take some of that money to buy, like, Listerine or whatever yeah. and wash out my mouth. Totally. Yeah. We've talked a lot about skincare on the show and specifically tretinoin. If you're not familiar, it's a retinoid, which is an active vitamin A derivative that's used to improve the texture, tone, and appearance of the skin. Today's sponsor, Dear Brightly, has a product called Night Shift, and tretinoin is the active ingredient in Night Shift. This is the only FDA-approved retinoid for treating photoaging, which is premature skin aging due to long-term sun exposure. Tretinoin stimulates collagen production to prevent and treat signs of premature skin aging from years of sun damage, things like fine lines and wrinkles, dark spots, uneven skin tone, and big pores. Tretinoin can only be acquired through a prescription, but it's 20 times more potent than the -the over-the-counter retinol products. It's one of the most well-researched ingredients with over 50 years of research behind it for both acne and photoaging. I had a chance to try Night Shift, and I'm really liking it. I have the unfortunate experience of having both breakouts and wrinkles at the same time, and it's great for both. I have seen my fine lines decreasing. I've seen my skin tone looking better, and it feels really nice. If you've used an over-the-counter retinol before, you know it's really great, but a dermatology-grade retinoid is even better. Night Shift is their dermatologist-formulated serum that's tailored to your skin by doctors online. Dear Brightly works by you first of all starting by sharing your skin story with them, then a doctor evaluates your skin and your skin history. They then tailor your formula and write a prescription, if applicable, and your tailored serum will be delivered to you in the mail. It's super simple and easy. Head to www.dearbrightly.com and enter the promo code SELFIE to get 15% off your first order, which is their very best offer anywhere. That's S-E-L-F-I-E to get 15% off your first order at dearbrightly.com. So when I was a teen learning to shave my legs, my mom did not do me any favors by buying me really cheap disposable razors. If you grew up in as a teen in the 90s, you know the ones and they left nicks and cuts all over me when I was trying to shave. So With two girls learning how to shave their legs right now, I am committed to making sure that they have good quality razors. Guys, I was probably well into my 30s before I realized the difference a quality razor makes. Today's sponsor is Athena Club. They have great razor kits that we have been using in our house for a couple months. The razor blades are awesome. They are surrounded by this water-activated serum that has shea butter and hyaluronic acid, so you get a silky smooth shave that actually leaves your skin soft and hydrated as opposed to stripped dry. 
dry. And their blades are spaced out to let hair and shave cream pass through easily so you don't have to make a ton of passes going over and over the skin to remove the hair. Fewer passes means less irritation to your skin, which cuts down on razor burn and ingrown hairs. The razor kit is only $9 with free shipping and it comes with two blade cartridges, a cute little magnetic hook for your shower storage, and your choice of a handle color. I personally chose the coral, but what I really like about it is they have a ton of different colors, black, white, pastel, neon. So if you have a big family like mine, everyone can have the razor in their own color so you don't get them confused. What I also love about Athena Club, you guys know I love automating things. You never have to worry about dull blades because they send refills on your schedule. You just choose how often you want them and they will send them automatically with free shipping. I would also highly recommend their cloud shave foam too. It's insanely thick and stays on while you shave so you don't have to reapply. It leaves your skin feeling very moisturized. It's really, really good. If you want to try a great quality razor that cuts down on the wastefulness of disposable razors, try Athena Club Razor Kit. You can get 20% off your first order at athenaclub.com with the promo code SELFIE. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with the promo code SELFIE for 20% off. We're going to take a quick break to talk about a sponsor. Ana Luisa is a jewelry company with amazing design as well as a sustainable mission. We love brands that are pursuing ethical manufacturing, and this is one. In addition to making beautiful earrings, necklaces, and bracelets, their company offsets 100% of their carbon emissions, starting with the sourcing of their raw materials. They create their jewelry in limited batches to ensure highest production standards while eliminating excessive waste. They're also committed to quality with long-lasting pieces that are created from high high quality metals, and they have a full year warranty to back it up with fair prices starting at $39 and a 10% off sale for our listeners right now. But let's talk about the pieces. Rue, what did you get? Okay, so I got the Eve necklace and it's super pretty. It has, I really like pendant necklaces and the pendant is this really pretty blue enamel, dark blue enamel, which I really like. How about you? Well, I got two sets of earrings. So I have had an issue with, um, I want to wear earrings every day, but I need earrings that are small enough to sleep in because I forget to put them in. So I just want permanent earrings. So they have these really cute, um, it's called the Claire, but they're ball hoop earrings. So from the front, it looks like, you know, just a little ball, like a little stud. And then there's a little loop that goes around coming in from the back. It is really cute. And as I'd hoped, they are really comfortable to sleep in. Go to analuisa.com slash selfie to treat yourself and your loved ones with a unique gift and use our code selfie to get 10% off. We recommend them. They're a great brand making great, beautiful, sustainable jewelry. So go check them out at analuisa.com slash selfie. And make sure you use the code selfie to get 10% off your entire purchase. Well, I am really looking forward to today's guest. Today, we're talking with Emily Paulson. She is an author and um, a speaker. She's also one of the founders of Sober Mom Squad. Emily, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So talk to me about what got you interested in the sobriety space. Well, I have my own journey through recovery. Um, mm-hmm. And my my path really, it really came to a head with, with mommy wine culture. And if, you know, people aren't familiar with what that is, it's kind of the idea yeah. that's sold that, 
you know, you have to drink to be a parent or you have yeah. to drink to survive your kids, you know, yeah. all that messaging. That's your go-to coping. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, you know, I was a person who I, I questioned my drinking for a long time, but I, this kind of kept it at bay. It kept me sort of justifying my continued use of it. And so when I got sober, it became really important to me to talk about what that process looked like. And, you know, as I, I got training to be a recovery coach and, you know, I wrote my book and really my platform became, you know, the fact that you, you don't have to wait until it gets to some proverbial rock bottom yes. um, to seek help for something that you think may be a problem. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I th- I'm glad you bring that up because I do think that that is a sort of misconception about sobriety or addiction that, you know, and they even say it, you know, it's a, it's a saying like, you got to hit rock bottom first. And it's like, why? Why? Why do we have to be like losing our jobs and barely functioning before we can address a drinking issue? Right. Yeah. I think fundamentally it comes down to you know, the informed consent and knowledge piece of alcohol, because I didn't know how bad it was for me. I, mm-hmm. I really didn't. You know, even when I had anxiety and I, I went to the doctor to get on anti-anxiety medicine, you know, I was, it was never really suggested to look at my alcohol use. And so I think it's something that just we in the wellness space, it's, it's the one thing that's missing. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you, you look at your nutrition. Are you exercising? Are you sleeping? And well, how much are you drinking every day? Um, so it's one of those things where if you know, more about it, you can do more about it, and and just recognizing it as not good for you, yeah, um, can can be enough. Sometimes I think to keep people from going to that place where it does become a problem, it, you know, it's an addictive substance. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it, it's interesting because I feel like we become so jokey about it that we forget that you know, while this might be for many people something that can help wind down. For many people, this is something that wrecks lives and families and marriages. Absolutely. And, and I think it's important too, to recognize kind of our cognitive dissonance behind it, right? That, you know, at five o'clock, oh, I'm going to have my glass of wine and it'll make me relax. And then looking at what really happens, like, does it, does it really, Mm -hmm. does it make you relax for, you know, 20 minutes and then your anxiety comes back? Do you Mm -hmm. wake up with a hangover and anxiety and, and how does it really affect you? And, and so just taking a closer look at like, why am I actually using this substance? And, and even uh, I think the bigger issue too is that we we almost expect the controlled use of it, yeah. and we don't we don't do that with any other uh, any other substance. You know, if someone quits smoking, we don't ask them. You know, hey, are you going to start smoking next month, or how about right. just how about just, just one or two? <laughs> right, like what about when we're on vacation? Um, so again, I think it does come to just the lack of like knowledge of of actually what it can do to your body. Yeah. And I think you make such a good point. And like, is it really reducing your anxiety? I mean, we talk on this uh, podcast all the time about self-care and, you know, ultimately drinking is not self-care. It's a band-aid, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. anxiety, whatever problems, whatever stressors you had before, they're going to be there. It's not actually moving the needle forward in any kind of self-care way. Absolutely. And I think that's where the mixed messages come in because you do see like yoga and wine and, mm-hmm. you know, sit in the bathtub with a mm-hmm. glass of wine and, and right. it is lumped into these self-care activities. Yes. And so our brains kind of go, okay, well, mm-hmm. it, it must, must be self-care. You know, it's friendship. It's fun. It's, um, 
and and really, you know, it's a carcinogen. And you know, mm-hmm. I'm not a person who's I'm not anti-drinking. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm just pro letting people know what it's really about <laughs> and, and really yeah. showing the reality behind it. Yeah, and I'm not anti-drinking either. But I, you know, I'm a therapist and have worked in addiction spaces myself. And you know, it's I completely agree with you that we just really minimize how serious this can be for some people that we've gotten really jokey and really casual about something that for many of us can be neutral, but for some can be very harmful. So for people who are listening and might be thinking like, Oh, I wonder if I should, you know, look inward in my drinking a little bit, like what would be some red flags or some warning signs that it might need a little attention? Yeah. So I, I would say if you are at the point where you're questioning your your use, at the very least, it's probably just not serving you. And mm. what I always tell people is, okay, before you pour that glass, before you grab that beer, before you, you know, whatever your drinking looks like, ask yourself, why am I doing this? And if it is, if you're answering the question of, oh, wow, this tastes really good with my steak, that's a whole different answer than mm-hmm. I I cannot, you know, stand my family right now. <laughs> and I need to check out. <laughs> right. So so the reason behind why you're drinking is is so important to acknowledge. Because in general, there's going to be another way to fill that need. Maybe you need to go for a walk. Maybe you need to go scream in a pillow. Maybe you need to, uh, you know, sit down and play a board game with a kid or, you know, there is another remedy for that feeling, um, that, that you're probably using alcohol for and kind of starting there and seeing, and seeing where that goes and seeing if you are not able to find a replacement for it, then there, you know, it, it's worth, it's worth probably seeking out, uh, you know, a doctor's opinion, a therapist, talking to a friend, um, just keep asking and, and, and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the answer and don't be afraid that you, someone's going to say to you, okay, well, can't drink anymore. Um, it, it's just probably needs a closer look. Yeah. A lot of people, um, I noticed there was a, a trend online of people doing a dry January and I really loved, seeing that happen because I feel like, you know, just a a short period of abstinence can also be really revealing for people. You know, if you decide that you're going to take a week or a month off of drinking and it's no big deal versus, you know, you do that and then you find like, wow, I'm really not coping well when I've removed this from my life. Yeah, there's there's a lot of mixed feelings about dry January in the sobriety mm-hmm. world. And I, I, I'm all for it. I'm all for any you know, any harm reduction is good. And if mm-hmm. you're a person who drinks every day, 365 days a year, and you drink 30 days less uh, out of a year, that's a positive thing. Like that's a, a change in the positive direction. And and I think you're right is if if you look at a month and say, wow, I could not stop drinking for a month, you kind of have your answer that is probably yes. worth cutting yes. back or taking a yeah. look at. Um, yeah. And I think where it really you know, the, the, again, it's the cognitive dissonance in, in our society that, okay, we did the dry January. I'm fixed now. Mm-hmm. And there's really mm-hmm. no other thing where we say, gosh, you know, I feel so good now. <laughs> now I'm going to go back to it. Right. I'm going to go back to the thing that was making me feel like crap. Uh-huh. But again, from we, it's kind of this belief that, okay, you take a break, you can go back and reset and be normal. And I think it's, it, again, it doesn't have to be all or nothing for most people. I think it's just a taking a look at why am I doing this? Do I need to make jokes about it? Do I need to include it at everything? And I do think every year dry January gets more and more popular. Mm-hmm. And and I think it helps just it, it helps 
everybody yeah. by having everybody take a look at their use. Well, and I also think it's helpful in that I also think it lends some empathy to what it's like to not be drinking. And you really start to notice how many events are, you know, kind of built around drinking. Like when you're not drinking, you start to notice like, wow, we've built a culture around yeah. drinking. Everything is drinking and, and the things where you like, you like, how do I, um, how do I have a work meeting without alcohol? How do I have, which again, when you think about it uh, again, as you're not as a non drinking person, you're like, wait a minute, how do you do business when you're drinking? <laughs> how do you, how, <laughs> right. do you pa- how do you parent when you're drinking? Yeah. But all of these things have been lumped in. Uh-huh. And, and I do think it gives empathy and, and it helps you think outside of the boxes. What, what are some things I could be doing instead? Instead mm-hmm. of doing this default thing, let's go grab drinks, let's go grab drinks, let's go grab drinks. How about let's go for a hike? Let's mm-hmm. go take a painting class. I don't mm-hmm. know. Just I yeah. think it does help you branch out and and do things that are actually enriching for your brain and your body. Absolutely. What are you guys seeing in terms of COVID and drinking? Is it lending to people drinking more? Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been interesting and that's kind of where the Sober Mom Squad came about was I was working one on one with women and, and typically they were women who had a story like mine where they did kind of have some consequences at work or in their marriage or health wise or whatever, you know, criminal consequences from their drinking. And, um, and so that, that was typically who I heard from. And when the pandemic hit, all of a sudden it was women who had never questioned their drinking. Um, moms who were mm. home with their kids and had no boundaries in their day and they were juggling way too much, you know, way more than they ever were. And they were feeling that tug, like the five o'clock somewhere. Um, yeah. And then also the worry that, gosh, I used to say I was a social drinker and now I'm drinking all the time. And, yes. and that worries me. Or now my kids are seeing me drink a lot. So we started seeing a huge shift. And that's that's why really I decided to create the Sober Mom Squad to give women a place to land mm-hmm. where you can complain about all the things that are going on right now with your kids. You have a safe space to ask questions without that added pressure of you know, those wine mom memes and the mm-hmm. pandemic drinking jokes and the quarantinis yeah. and, and, and all of that stuff. And obviously we saw a huge increase in alcohol sales. Yeah. Um, we are seeing increase in, you know, relapse, addiction, rehab facilities are packed. Um, mm-hmm. so it's definitely taking a toll. It's, it's like the pandemic coming out of the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So talk to me about what um, Sober Mom Squad is doing in the recovery space that's unique to the recovery space. Yeah. So, you know, mom's groups are nothing new. I've been in them for, you know, my, my oldest is 16. So I've, I've been in mom's groups online and it's a great place to be, ask questions. And, and so that's nothing new. And, you know, sobriety groups are, are nothing new. They're, there's tons of them and the pandemic, I, I think I have to credit all, you know, recovery organizations and programs that they really pivoted to online. But there wasn't really a space where you could be a mom and also be outside of that, of again, the pressure to drink. Um, and so a, a place where you can go, whether you're sober curious, whether you're questioning your alcohol or whether you've been sober for 25 years, yeah. um, and share all the things that come with being a mom and, and, and really dealing with it and raising your kids, um, you know, with, with a sober mom. And, and so it, it's, it's a community where we've got Zoom, um, meetups every, uh, three or four times a day. 
and you can have yeah you can have your camera off so you can be a fly on the wall Mm -hmm. you can share and again you can share about anything that's anything that's on your heart anything you're dealing with Um, we have a writing for recovery um, group every week so for people who want to like dig deep more into their recovery and and start writing about it um, we have resources um, anything from like home learning resources when you've got your kids at home to discount codes for alcohol-free beverages, um, you know, a Spotify playlist, you know, all kinds of things that are just really geared towards moms, um, again, outside of the mommy wine culture. And um, yeah, so we just really, and, and we've just been pivoting and doing what women have asked for. Um, as they yeah. need more meetings, we add them. And mm-hmm. um, and then we also have an option of uh, group coaching where we do have certified coaches and counselors um, to answer questions specific to recovery. Um, we have webinars from experts in all kinds of parenting topics, um, topics relating to motherhood, womanhood, um, health, wellness. And, um, yeah, so we just, we just kind of try and give women what they're wanting and needing right now. I love it. And I love that you guys have really made that barrier for entry stress-free. You know, I think that, um, previously for somebody to go to a meeting, it might involve, you know, showing up at a a social hall or a church and walking into a room full of strangers and, you know, saying right away, I'm an alcoholic. And like, you guys have really taken a lot of that off the plate where it's just like, you know what, you can just do it from home on Zoom with your camera off and you can just listen. I I just really love that it's accessible. Yeah, because that door can be like a thousand pounds to an actual physical location. Yeah. So again, to take the pressure off and it's, you know, we have a a free meeting every week too. We've got a free Facebook group. So we have free resources too. And, um, and then we have a membership option for people who really want to dig deep. And, um, so people can try it out, see if it works for them. And, and, um, it's no pressure. I love that. You did a TED talk where you talked about sobriety as a superpower for women. Tell Mm -hmm. me about that. Yeah. So it's interesting how um, when you really look at the history of drinking and you look back at prohibition, women were really behind the prohibition movement because you know, their husbands were <laughs> drinking too much and it was affecting the family. And, um, and so it, it's interesting because then women all of a sudden, um, you know, they started, they, they enacted women's right to vote and, and then all of a sudden the women's lib movement started and it became this let's drink like the boys. Mm. Um, there's all these things that women could never do. Women weren't allowed in saloons. Women weren't allowed where men used to be able to drink. Um, and so repealing prohibition came right about right around um, the time when, when women were allowed to vote. And so I think culturally it has been this, we're tough, we're strong, we are independent and we can drink like the men. Mm. And unfortunately – the reality behind it is we can't. Um, you know, our bodies are not the same. You, you know, and we even, maybe don't want to. <laughs> and we don't want to. Like, we don't want to. But pound for pound, you know, a woman and yeah. a man of the exact same weight and height and everything, um, women process alcohol differently. It affects our bodies differently. It um, it damages our organs 
um, more quickly. And, and so the rate at the, which women are dying from alcohol use disorders is, is skyrocketing and, mm. and it's increasing for men too, but, but not at the rate of women, especially women around childbearing years. Um, and, and it's really scary that, you know, you can have a woman who dies of cirrhosis at, you know, 40 years old when, when that has traditionally been like an old man's disease, yeah. right? Yeah. But because women just do not process alcohol the same way. And so, I think also fighting all these messages of you have to drink to be a mom, you have to drink to be a woman, you have to drink to be sexy, you have to drink mm-hmm. to fit in. It, you know, making the choice not to drink is is really radical in our, our culture. It is. Sadly, it is. Yeah. And so, you know, it comes down to, again, just – just knowing, knowing what's in your beverage, knowing how we're being targeted. And unfortunately, women are also targeted to such yeah. a higher degree than men are. I mean, you don't see, you, you see pink bottles of wine and you see these cute pink cans, you know, mommy's play date is, is like a literal brand oh, yeah. of wine. And so you, you see all of these things geared toward women, um, to such a higher degree than they are, than they are for men. Mm-hmm. So we're targeted more, we're damaged more by it. And it's really, I think women just really as a whole, we need to look out for each other. And, and, and it's this circumstance where, you know, right now we're in the middle of a pandemic and we're wearing masks to protect each other. And, mm-hmm. and so this collective, like we need to look out for each other. Yes. Women really need to do that for each other when it comes to alcohol too. Oh, and totally. So if it is someone who says, gosh, I'm cutting back or I'm, I'm not drinking today or, you know, instead of being the friend who says, why not, you know, drink with mm-hmm, me, mm-hmm. just, just saying congratulations or mm-hmm. how can I help <laughs> or yeah. recognizing that it's a choice and it's not some required accessory to parenthood. No. And I mean, I, I hope this, this conversation is convicting even for me. And I hope it is for everyone that you're absolutely right. Like we've become an enabling culture. And I can even think of, you know, situations where I've set drinks out, but not an alternative, you know, mm-hmm. or just the assumption is that everyone showing up will take a drink with alcohol in it. What right. are some ways that we can pull out of that enabling and that we can make sure we're being inclusive and sensitive to our sober friends? Well, I think it comes down to, you know, informing ourselves. And and if you are having, say you're having an event and you're having people over, you know, what kind of event is it? If it's a two-year-old birthday party, does alcohol really need to be <laughs> present? And I say this as being the person who had two-year-old birthday parties oh, with yeah. alcohol. Yeah. And, and really thinking about what, who is this for? Mm-hmm. What message am I sending? What, yeah. what do I need to be doing here? Um, and, and just really thinking about being more mindful of it, being more mindful of, you know, hey, would I smoke here? Um, mm. would I, would I tell this joke and substitute cocaine for alcohol? It, mm. Just being more mindful of the fact that, yes, it's legal. Yes, you can use it if you want to. You're an adult, but also it's, toxic, it's addictive. And there are a lot of people walking around us who have a problem and we don't know. And yeah. I was one of those people. And and so that's the message I try and send is, gosh, I could have, I could have stopped this much mm-hmm. earlier, but I I was living in this world where I felt like I didn't have a choice. I felt like I was yeah. the only one who's questioning my drinking. And, and there's a lot of us out there. So yeah. just recognizing the the fact that do we need to be telling those jokes about drinking? Do we need to send that meme that maybe seems funny? And think about what if the person on the other end of this text or the other end of this Instagram or, or whatever has a problem with alcohol? Yeah. What, am I, what message am I sending? 
Yeah. I've heard a lot from my sober friends too, just how um, often they are questioned when they say no. And for us to just, if we offer a drink to someone and they say no, it's so inappropriate to say why, you know, mm-hmm. to, to ask them to explain not drinking. A hundred percent. And, and I think in my case, I've said this before, it's, it's almost been easier for me, someone who has had a rock bottom that people don't really question it. It's like, <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. You had to stop. But again, for everyone else who, who recognizes that it's not good for them, recognizes they don't want to be hung over and to get questioned like, Oh, you're not having a drink. Are you pregnant? Are you mm-hmm. on antibiotics? Are you on a cleanse? Like you have to have a reason. Yeah. And it's so funny that we have to justify the use of a drug when it really should be other way, the other way around. No, I know. I mean, I can even think of, I do drink, but I don't like to drink very much. Um, and I can think of so many circumstances where someone has refilled my wine, my wine glass without me asking. And then mm-hmm. you, you feel that pressure of like, well, okay, I was going to have one glass, but now I guess I'm having two. Right. <laughs> and it's usually about the person pouring it, right? Or the, or the person questioning it. It's like, well, wow, if you're not drinking, what does that right. say about me? Right. Right. And, I need and a partner. Of, yeah. And taking it off ourselves, right? Like it doesn't matter. It's, it's not about me if someone else is making a choice for themselves. And, yeah. and if this person, you know, quit smoking and I smoked, would I then, you know, ask them to do it for me? No, I think right. it's again, it comes back to the general knowledge that that's something yeah. that's bad for you. So it yeah. just comes down to information and informed consent. Absolutely. Yep. Well, this has been so helpful for anyone who, you know, is listening and thinks, wow, I think I might want to get involved with Sober Mom Squad. Where can they find you guys online? We are at SoberMomSquad.com and we are on Instagram at SoberMomSquad. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Hey guys, well, we are ready to chat with BJ today. So BJ, I wanted to actually talk about something that you shared in our Facebook group that was very personal, um, which is the fact that you recently lost your aunt to COVID. Um, And I know that you have experienced something that so many people have experienced, which is losing a loved one who, you know, otherwise you know, without this pandemic, probably would have had a decade or more with us. And then also having to grieve this loss in addition to just the inevitable feelings of frustration and, you know, justice around this pandemic. So I wanted to talk to you about all of those things today. Thank you, Kristen. Yeah, my aunt was 84. Um, she never had children. And her husband, she was actually the last matriarch of our family. She's the last person in my parents' generation in our family. And the women on my dad's side of the family lived into their 90s. My grandmother was 96. Mm-hmm. Um, all the other women were in their 90s when they passed. And, um, and Patsy was well on her way to to doing the same. She lost her husband last year, but they moved into an assisted living shortly before that. And she thrived there. She was very social and she had grown up singing in the church and still sang in the choir. And, um, and she's just a badass woman. She went through a lot in her life and she was really strong. We were a lot alike. We were both the youngest of three with two older brothers. And, um, we just had a lot of parallels in our personality. I think she was probably an eight on the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Um, you always knew what she thought. 
<laughs> she had no filter, a lot of opinions, and hers were usually right. <laughs> um, but she was also really fun and funny. And I have a picture of her wearing, she looks like a, a rapper and she wasn't in a costume. It was just somebody gave her a cap. She threw it on sideways and she just looked so adorable. And this was just a, a year ago. Um, she was kind of a clown, and a comic, uh, a comic. Um, but yeah, she had, I had every reason to believe she would live another decade or more. Yeah. And I, um, you know, she did not get COVID in, in the assisted living. And my, my, I'm drawing a blank. My brother told me how they believe she got it may have been in a doctor's office or I'm not really sure, but, um, or it could have been at church, but I don't think so. I'm not sure, but um, she went straight into ICU. Mm-hmm. Um, once, I mean, I think it hit her really hard and fast. Mm-hmm. And once she was there, we never had any lucid conversation with her. Um, mm-hmm. On day two or three, they reached out to us and said, we need to intubate her mm-hmm. uh, so that she can have some relief because the body has to work so hard at breathing when the oxygen is low. And um, if you don't eventually put them on the ventilator, my son described how the death is brutal because mm-hmm. it's like suffocating or drowning. Yeah. And so he's a doctor. He's a nurse, right. my son, and, right. and is the director of an ER. Yeah. Um, and my daughter-in-law is also, is also a nurse. And um, so it's pretty brutal. And, so we agreed to the intubation, but they still would prone her a couple of times a day. And she would always do better prone. Um, but when they turn her to her back and, and which they had to do often, um, her oxygen would drop, her blood pressure would drop and her potassium levels would elevate. And so they, there were t- days like everyone seems to have a story that kind of follows the same arc where they, where even when symptoms are minor, it seems that most people follow this arc of you're, you feel really bad or your symptoms are, are pretty bad. And then there's a moment where you improve mm-hmm. and then you plummet and the symptoms on the, on the backside are even worse. Yeah. I've heard and that a lot. even people who survive it often have that same arc. Mm-hmm. And she followed that exact arc. And there was a day when all of the reports were really good. And then the next morning there was a good report. And at one o'clock that afternoon, they found fluid in her chest mm. cavity. Um, they call it a pneumothorax, which is the beginning stages of, of pneumonia. Mm-hmm. And for, it, it's very common with anyone who's been on a vent for very long. And the odds that you're going to recover at that point are pretty slim to none, mm-hmm. especially for someone her age. So at that point, they started asking us about end of life care. And we'd actually, the day before, they'd asked us to sign a DNR, which we had done, and then started talking about end of life care. Mm-hmm. And, um, my, she was about four hours from where my family lives. She was in Shreveport, Louisiana. My family lives in Northeast Texas. And my niece had been kind of stepping in. My brother is had power of attorney for her. And my niece had kind of stepped in and was managing all the reports from the hospital. And she and my brother and I were on the phone. And as we talked through it, they decided they would go ahead and go that day. Mm-hmm. And the next morning, they began the end of life care and they extubated her. And within a less than a half hour, mm. she was gone, which mm-hmm. was really a relief. I was afraid that 
once they extubated her that she might linger mm-hmm. um, and be uncomfortable. And instead, I think her lungs were just so tired mm-hmm. that all it took was this, the machine no longer breathing for her. And she just let it go. But my brother put the phone to her ear when he first got there that morning. And I got to say my goodbyes, um, which I'm really grateful for. Mm. And um, my other brother did the same. And then they they PPE'd my brother and niece up. I mean, they were literally like hazmatted up from head to toe. Um, my brother had a really different appreciation for what nurses experience because the the PPE is so incredibly uncomfortable. My daughter in law was yeah. telling me that that when you when they get an N95 mask, they're fitted for it. Yeah, and because it's really not effective unless it is, mm-hmm. and unless it's, it's sealed. So Yes. And it's so tight that it bruises the bridge of the nose. Yeah. And they had to wear them for three hours. And he said, I don't know how they wear this all day long. Mm. Um, so it really gave us a, an even deeper window into what people are experiencing on a COVID ward. Yeah. Well, um, and, you know, a lot of loved ones don't even get that opportunity to put mm-hmm. on PPE and say goodbye in person. Like there have been a lot of people who have lost close family members and they've said goodbye over FaceTime. Yes. Yeah. And my daughter-in-law was telling me, in fact, we had this 13-person thread with my brother and his kids and my kids on it. And it was really – that was the sweetest gift she left us was the way we all connected and supported each other through this mm-hmm. whole thing. Mm-hmm. In this last year with these differences around political issues in our family, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of silence. We haven't fought. But we just not talked. Right. And we've kind of been disconnected. And she really brought us all back mm. together. And in the midst of it, my daughter-in-law came on one day and she said, I just want you guys to know what an incredible job you're doing for your aunt by being at the hospital, checking in with the hospital, calling for reports twice a day. She said, I just left the room of a man who has had COVID for two weeks. His wife died a week ago. They brought him in and he's being admitted into ICU now. And he's been at home grieving alone Hmm. the death of his wife while he's sick with it too. And no one can come see him. Oh my gosh. And he was likely going to not make it. And she said, it is amazing how many people come in and no one ever calls. Mm-hmm. for a report. No one comes or even attempts to visit. And they're left long before they die. They're left there. Mm-hmm. And my greatest concern was that my aunt would be in that room alone mm-hmm. with just medical professionals, which I want to say they were incredible. She had the most loving mm-hmm. care and the way they cared for us in the midst of the crazy of their lives in that ward, the care they gave us when we reached out for information and the way they managed my brother and my niece, even when they were there was just remarkable. But to know that she would die with only medical staff around her was just, I just couldn't handle the thought of that. And so it, it was such a relief to us that they were, that they would allow them in. But my brother will tell you he was so anxious. He said, I could not get out of there fast enough. Mm-hmm. I felt so dirty. I wanted to just be hosed down like they d- did in the, 
in the movies around (laughs) nuclear, yes, you know, waste. He said, that's what it felt like. And Mm. um, he said, I just, he left it with such a different appreciation for what people who are working in the field experience on a daily basis and the sacrifices that they're making. Ah, it's just so brutal. It's so brutal and it's so sad. And I just, I wanted us to talk about it because I know so many people, you know, and many of our listeners have talked about it, have just lost loved ones. And I just think that grief is compounded by our circumstances and the circumstances of, you know, we don't have the ability to corporately grieve. Our funerals are different. We don't have the, I mean, I would imagine that, you know, were we not in a pandemic, you all would have gathered at the hospital. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And just to not have those, you know, what we've come to know as, you know, at least for me, my experience has been, you know, in family deaths, there's been sitting around in hospital waiting rooms and, and mm-hmm. visiting in rooms and um, to just have all of that taken away. I, it, it just feels like an even greater loss. It absolutely is. It, my reaction to finding out she was sick was, I don't want this to be the way she goes. Right, right. Like, mm-hmm. I just, it just feels, and I, I'm a justice person. <laughs> I want, yeah. I want fairness above all things. <laughs> we both are. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm in a constant pursuit of that and yes. much to my own chagrin. But, um, but in this case, it just felt so wrong yeah. for someone to have lived such a, a long, fulfilling life in so many ways mm-hmm. and to, to survive so many tragedies and traumas also to have this be the thing. Um, it just makes me angry. It touches in yeah. my anger that this illness has been given the freedom yeah. through ignorance yeah. and misinformation mm-hmm. and um, a lot of other things mm-hmm. to spread to the degree that it has to, to see that our state of all states mm-hmm. feels like we should have been a little more immune to it. We're spread out, you know, not that we don't have condensed spaces, but we're not like New York city. You know, we're, we've got open space. Um, we're, you know, we, we really do have a, I am my brother's keeper mindset mm-hmm. as a state. And yet we've found ourselves as the I hottest know. bed of COVID in the world. And it's, it makes me angry yeah. because it, it's it was angry. preventable to a great degree. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we saw, you know, there have been protesters at vaccination sites yes. and, you know, it was, it was wild. I was walking the other day um, and we were boxing um, and talking about your aunt and I walked past a basketball court in Newport beach and there were 20 men playing basketball with no masks on. And it's mm. just like, there are two realities right now. Yes. There are two realities. There's the reality that people are really dying. And then there are people living like they aren't. Yeah. And it's angering. <laughs> and it, that's the part that makes me angry. Yeah. It feels like, it feels personal at that point. Yes. When you watch how she died and the little yeah. sores on her face. From, yeah. the get, from the mask. And it makes me angry that people are yeah. so arrogantly yeah. defying it because it's just going to keep going. I know. And I'm ready for life to get back to some semblance of normal so we can yeah. grieve. Yeah. And we can bury our people and we can gather yeah. to corporately grieve. And we're not going to be able to for quite some time. 
I know. And it's frustrating because we have, we know that vaccines are coming. So at this point, it's a patience game. You know, we actually have an end in sight, but it's like, how many deaths do we want to tolerate in this waiting period? Exactly. And how many have we had to tolerate? Yeah. It's getting really close to home. I've, I've had multiple people die, multiple people almost die, multiple people have it and not recover well, still not recover Mm -hmm. well. People have lost jobs because they've been away from their jobs for so long. People's lives are changing dramatically on a daily basis because they're having COVID, not because they're being denied life by it. And that's what is really important for people to grasp. Yeah. Have your belief, but don't impose it on others. Yeah. Yeah. And like, let's pull it together and do what we need to do to minimize deaths until we can all get that vaccine. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for letting me talk about my aunt. Thanks for talking about it. Hey, thank you for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us on Instagram at at Selfie Podcast and in the Selfie Podcast community group on Facebook. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so you can catch up with us next week. Take care. Take care.